Hey, Chromaholics, it's your host, Kenzie, back this week to bring you another MMIW Missing Mondays episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created by Holly and I to keep missing persons' name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that we can. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time. While some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. On this week's MMIW episode for Missing Mondays, I will be featuring the disappearance of Sharon Bald Eagle. Sharon Bald Eagle is missing from Eagle Butte, South Dakota. She was born on June 26, 1972, and she is a member of the Cheyenne River Reservation. She went missing on September 18, 1984, when she was just 12 years old. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5 feet 2 inches tall and approximately 110 pounds, with black hair and black eyes. Her very last sighting was in Casper, Wyoming. Sharon Bald Eagle grew up in Eagle Butte with her father, Taylor Bald Eagle, and according to the Rapid City Journal, Taylor described her as a daddy's girl who loved to dance and enjoyed cooking and trying new recipes. One year prior to Sharon's disappearance, she started attending the Brainerd Indian Training School, which is roughly three hours southwest from Eagle Butte in Hot Springs, South Dakota, which is just about 45 minutes from where Holly and I currently live. I tried my best to find some information on the Brainerd School due to the fact that she was so far from home, like maybe if it was a boarding school and the students lived there. However, I was not able to find too much. I did ask a special friend of mine and unfortunately she did not know. But thankfully, I did come across a blog that was written by a man who attended the Brainerd School. And he gave a little bit of information about how this school was ran. He stated that they were forced to spend hours on religious services and some that would last five hours. They could be during the day or in the evening which kind of makes me think that maybe they did live at the school. However, if Sharon was not living at the school, I got the thought that maybe she was living with her family in Hot Springs or maybe even a family friend. I have never heard anything good about these boarding schools that Native American children were forced to attend. I have heard lots about how these were religious schools, and that's what Brainerd was. It was a school for Native American children to become Christians. However, I do not know if Sharon was forced to go to this school or if her family decided to enroll her. If you are not familiar with these boarding schools for Native American children, I highly suggest you look into them because they will blow your mind. On September 18, 1984, Sharon and her 15-year-old friend Sandy decided to run away from Hot Springs. The exact reason for this decision is unknown, but given I've only read negative things about these kind of schools, that may be why they chose to run away. The girls left Hot Springs and headed further southwest to Casper, Wyoming on Route 18. If you are familiar with South Dakota and Wyoming, then you know that these roads are deserted and in the middle of nowhere. If you were to break down on these highways in the middle of the night, honestly, you might just be screwed. I have traveled these roads alone at night heading down to Texas and they just scare the absolute crap out of me. There's like one gas station for like 150 miles. There's nobody around and it's just pitch black. While Sharon and her friend Sandy were hitchhiking Casper, they ended up being picked up by a truck driver named Royal Russell Long. According to the Oklahoman, Sandy testified against Royal in court and she stated that the girls were hitchhiking and that Royal picked them up and he offered to get them some food and would let them come back to his home to get cleaned up. I know that probably sounds 
really crazy that a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old were hitchhiking in the middle of nowhere and they got in a car with an unknown man. But around this time, it was not uncommon for people to be hitchhiking, even people of that age. Around that time frame, people really didn't worry about people being serial killers and if they were going to make it out alive or not. So yes, as crazy as it sounds, no, it is not that uncommon. Unfortunately, what the girls did not know is that they were getting into the car with a serial killer. Sandy further testified that once they got back to Royal's home, he did feed both of the girls, but afterwards he ends up offering them both $100 for sexual favors, but they declined and said they were not those kind of girls. After this, Sandy said that he bound both her and Sharon with a rope at gunpoint and beat them both very badly, and he ends up sexually assaulting Sandy. After Royal Long sexually assaulted Sandy, he ends up falling asleep and this girl ends up being so brave and ends up escaping from his home and runs to a nearby neighbor's. These neighbors did let her call the police from their home, but as she was calling the police, she stated that she could hear Royal's pickup truck leaving his driveway. When the police arrived, they did search the home, but unfortunately Sharon and Royal were not to be found. However, it was just one week later that they end up actually locating Royal in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he was arrested, but unfortunately Sharon was nowhere to be found. And before we go any further, I do want to point out the fact that Royal Long worked as a truck driver going from South Dakota down to Texas. So he was very familiar with this pack down to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Russell Long, of course, ends up telling the police that he has no idea of Sharon's whereabouts and he begins giving them his version of events. He stated that he brought Sharon and Sandy back to his home, and Sandy said she would have sexual intercourse with him for $200. Royal stated at this time the girls told him that they were 18 and 19 years old. He said that he did take Sandy up on her offer, and after the sex act was completed, they demanded that he give them the money, or they would accuse him of rape, and then they told him that they were in fact only 12 and 15, he said there was a scuffle, but he did not hit the girls. He stated he then decided to take a nap, and when he woke, he said that Sandy was gone. So he hopped up, took Sharon into his truck, and drove her to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and put her into a truck that was heading to Dallas, Texas. I'm sorry, but if you're not guilty of something, why would you just not tell Sharon to leave your home? Instead, you swoop her up, put her in your truck, and drive her down to Cheyenne for her to be taken to Texas. And if he, in fact, did take Sharon and put her in some random truck that took her down to Texas, it kind of makes me think that maybe he sold her to sex traffickers. Law enforcement did end up taking Royal back to Wyoming, and thankfully he was charged with the kidnapping of both Sharon and Sandy. And surprisingly, he was even charged with two life sentences. But unfortunately, Sharon has never been found. Hey, Crimeholics, it's your host, Kinsey bringing you another MMIW Missing Mondays episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created by Holly and I to keep missing persons' name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that we can. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time. While some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. On this MMIW Missing Mondays episode, I will be bringing you the disappearance of Sharon Bald Eagle. Sharon Bald Eagle is missing from Eagle Butte, South Dakota. Sharon was born on June 26, 1972, and she is a member of the Cheyenne River Reservation. 
She went missing on September 18, 1984, when she was just 12 years old. At the time of her disappearance, she stood at 5 feet 2 inches tall, weighed approximately 110 pounds, with black hair and black eyes. Her very last sighting was in Casper, Wyoming. Sharon Bald Eagle grew up in Eagle Butte with her father, Taylor Bald Eagle, according to the Rapid City Journal. Taylor described her as a daddy's girl who loved to dance and enjoyed cooking and trying out new recipes. One year prior to Sharon's disappearance, she was actually attending a school called Brainerd Indian Training School. And this school was roughly three hours from Eagle Butte in Hot Springs, South Dakota, which is actually just about 45 minutes from where Holly and I currently live. I tried my best to find out some information about this school, like whether or not it was a boarding school due to the fact that Sharon was so far from home. However, after asking a really special friend of mine, and looking on Google, I was not able to find out too much information, like if these kids and students actually lived there or not. But I did actually come across a blog from somebody who actually attended Brainerd School. And he said it was a very religious-based school for Native American children to become Christian. And he stated that while he attended Brainerd, they were forced to attend very long religious services. Sometimes they're five hours long and they would be during the day or in the evening time. So it kind of made me think that maybe this was a boarding school where they did live. If Sharon was not living at the school, I kind of got the thought that maybe she was living with family members down there in Hot Springs or maybe a family friend. I also want to add really quickly that I have never heard anything good about these boarding schools that Native American children were forced to attend. So if you are unfamiliar with these, I highly suggest that you do some research on them because I promise you it will blow your mind. On September 18th, 1984, Sharon and her 15-year-old friend Sandy decided to run away from Hot Springs. The exact reason for this decision is unknown, but given I've only read negative things about these kind of schools, that may be why they chose to run away. The girls left Hot Springs and headed further southwest to Casper, Wyoming on Route 18. If you are familiar with South Dakota and Wyoming, then you know that these roads are deserted and in the middle of nowhere. If you were to break down on these highways in the middle of the night, Royal Long was also a prime suspect in several different cases out of Wyoming. And don't forget that he did live in Evansville, Wyoming. On July 4th, 1974, Carlene Brown and her best friend Christy Gross disappeared from the Rawlings Fairgrounds, where Royal worked. Nine years later, in 1985, Christy's body was found in Sinclair, Wyoming, with a gunshot wound to her head. Unfortunately, Carlene Brown's body has never been found, and she's still considered a missing person. Just one month later, on August 4th, 1974, Deborah Meyer went missing when she had plans to go to a local movie theater with her friend. Deborah was seen leaving her parents' house and walking down the street when she disappeared. Unfortunately, her body has never been located and she's still considered a missing person. Just a few weeks later, on August 23, 1974, 10-year-old Jaylene Banker went missing from the same exact Rawling Fairgrounds that Carlene and Christy went missing from. Unfortunately, eight months later, little Jalen's body was found partially clothed with a gunshot wound to her head. Obviously, it really sounds like Royal Long is responsible for each of these deaths and disappearances. I mean, he worked full-time as a trucker and part-time as a carny. Each of these girls went missing either walking or at the fairgrounds. Unfortunately, in 1993, Royal did die from a heart attack while he was behind bars serving the two life sentences for the kidnapping of Sharon and Sandy. There are so many families left without answers. However, Sharon Bald Eagle's father, Taylor, 
really does hold out hope and believes that his daughter may still be out there somewhere alive. Sharon Bald Eagle is missing from Eagle Butte, South Dakota. She was born on June 26, 1972, and she is a member of the Cheyenne River Reservation. She went missing on September 18, 1984, when she was just 12 years old. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5 feet 2 inches tall and weighed approximately 110 pounds. She had black hair and black eyes. She was last seen in Casper, Wyoming. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. I'm going to post pictures of each person that I spoke about in this episode in our group and on our Instagram. Even though this was an episode specifically for Sharon Bald Eagle, I did want to touch on the other women that are currently still missing. If you have been listening to us for some time now, then you know that there is an epidemic that is plaguing Native American women in North America. We will never stop talking about the missing and murdered Indigenous women movement until something changes. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to all of our other MMIW episodes. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care. (laughs) 